0: Support for Yale Cancer Answers comes from AstraZeneca, working side by side with leading scientists to better understand how complex data can be converted into innovative treatments. More information at Astrazeneca-US.com. Welcome to Yale Cancer Answers with Dr. Zanish Chagpar and Stephen Gore. Yale Cancer Answers features the latest information on cancer care by welcoming oncologists and specialists who are on the forefront of the battle to fight cancer. This week, it's a conversation about CAR T-cell therapy with Dr. Iris Asufi. Dr. Asufi is Assistant Professor of Medicine and Hematology at the Yale School of Medicine, and Dr. Gore is a Professor of Internal Medicine at Yale and Director of Hematologic Malignancies at Smilo Cancer Hospital.
1: CAR-T, that sounds like something we've never heard about. What the heck is CAR-T?
2: That's what I said a few years ago when a child uh, was uh, treated with this therapy, uh, had aggressive leukemia and achieved remission. Uh, Since then, a lot has happened. Many patients have been treated. We have two new drug approvals and are treating patients throughout the United States. Okay.
1: Can, can you tell us
2: so this sort of is,
1: generally in a lay term what this is all about?
2: Yes. So um, uh, we are taking um, T cells, which are immune cells, from individuals with cancer, uh, genetically modifying them in the lab, expanding them to produce more, and putting them back in the patient now, after they receive treatment. Now
1: wait a minute. So T cells aren't those the cells that are like missing in HIV patients and stuff.
2: That's correct.
1: So these are That's, these are cells which, but fight infections.
2: Those are cells that typically fight infections, uh-huh. uh, particularly viral infections. Okay. Um, they interact with many other cells in the body, uh-huh. um, and are actually very important. To also fight tumors as well. To cancer cells. To cancer cells.
1: Okay. So I'm with you so far. So now we've got a patient who's got cancer, and you're taking some of these T cells out. How do you get them?
2: So we get them through a process called apheresis. The patient sits in a chair. uh, They're connected to a machine. And they sit in the chair for several hours. Their blood is filtered through that machine. So the blood goes out of one arm? And back into the other arm. Gotcha. But through the machine in the meantime? Through the machine in the meantime, which sorts out their T-cells because they have markers on their surface and they're recognized as being such. The blood is put back into the patient and we send the cells to a company outside of our institutions, usually, okay. where they get genetically modified.
1: Well, well that, hold on. That sounds scary. Is that like what they did in China, where they were, you know, uh, I guess they were doing designer embryos and stuff like that? It's nothing like that, right? This
2: is a very carefully controlled process. Okay. Uh, it's very carefully monitored uh, by the uh, Food and Drug Administration. Mm-hmm. And... Um, It's a very rigorous process. It does not involve any stem cells. I see. Um, This um, involves T cells that are circulating in the patient's bloodstream that are normally there. Okay. Um, We are only genetically modifying these cells to recognize something on the tumor cell for targeting.
1: So can you explain that to me a, a little more? So exactly... What are you putting in the DNA of these cells? Like, what kind of thing?
2: So what we're putting in in the cells is is actually a receptor that the T cells have inside them. What we're doing is we're just changing small parts of that receptor to recognize a target on the cancer cell, uh-huh. on the tumor cell, and... We also change other parts of that T-cell receptor that, make, that will eventually make the T-cell make many more copies of itself to target as many tumor cells as, as possible once put back into the patient. Okay,
1: so you're making it kind of like a super attack cell.
2: A super attack cell and a cell that is going to eventually be able to make hundreds of thousands, if not millions of copies of itself once it goes back into the patient's body.
1: It reminds me of that Star Wars movie where they were making clones on that planet. It's Kind of scary.
2: Um, it, it's actually not a scary procedure for the patient to get the cells out. Okay, um, We give chemotherapy before the cells are put back in so that we quiet down the patient's immune system. Uh-huh. Uh, so that they are able to tolerate these cells very well once they go back into them.
1: I see. So how long does it take to manufacture these new cells?
2: It typically takes about three weeks uh-huh. to manufacture the cells, and we are definitely making strides in shortening that, uh, that process so that we can deliver this type of therapy to patients as soon as we can.
1: Okay. So let's say I'm a patient who's a candidate for this thing, and I've gone to this machine, and you took out these T-cells, and you sent it out to wherever you're sending it out, and I guess you do something to keep me quiet in the meantime or healthy in the meantime, right? And then what happens three weeks later when, uh, when you get the cells back?
2: So when we get the cells back, we um, are able to uh, admit the patient to the hospital, and give them the chemotherapy part of the treatment, and then we infuse the T-cells. Okay. Um, we are starting to uh, gain more and more experience with this treatment, so the hope is that in the future, most of these therapies uh, will be able to be administered in the outpatient setting.
1: Why do they have to be in the hospital at all?
2: They have to be in the hospital initially for us to monitor some potential side effects that can happen after this type of therapies delivered. Okay. There are two in particular that we worry about the most. One of them is called cytokine release syndrome. That's a mouthful. It's a mouthful for sure. And the other one is called neurologic toxicity. Okay. And basically what is happening that once we deliver these T cells into the patient, they they make many copies of themselves. They target the t- tumor cells all at once. And certain Proteins can be released in the bloodstream that cause the patients to have very high fevers. Mm. They can feel like they have the flu, even though they don't. Mm. Uh, We screen them for infections. Um, But this is just a known side effect now of this particular therapy. They can get sick, but we have um, identified good measures to support them, including new therapies that were not initially approved for these indications, such as treating cytokine release syndrome. We have antibodies now that are on the market that are approved to treat it, and we also oftentimes treat it with steroids.
1: Huh. So, I mean, it doesn't sound so bad to have the flu. I mean, we've all had the flu. Like, that's, I don't usually go in the hospital when I have the flu. Like, what's the big deal?
2: There are some patients that get sicker um, where they have difficulty breathing. Oh, Uh, They occasionally end up temporarily on a breathing machine. Oh, my goodness. Or they can suffer problems with their organs. Hmm. Usually, these are temporary and reversible for the majority of patients.
1: But really a big deal.
2: But really a big deal. And that's why we're very cautious. And especially uh, in the beginnings of this therapy, uh, extreme precautions were taken to make sure that it was delivered as safely as possible for the patients and that all of the resources uh, were there should they be needed. Hmm. Um, As you can imagine, if patients are having difficulty breathing or problems with their organs, uh, the ideal place to be in is in a hospital setting where multiple subspecialists could be called to arrive to the scene uh, as quickly as possible to Hmm. help in their management. And the other toxicity we uh, worry about is neurologic toxicity, which usually starts with uh, headaches and mild confusion, uh, and that is really the scariest aspect of it for patients and also for family members seeing their li- loved one uh, who is having difficulty recognizing them or having difficulty writing and speaking. And uh, this side effect is also treated with steroids and typically resolves uh, back to baseline um, after one or two weeks.
1: Hmm. So this is not like a stroke or anything like that?
2: This is not. We're not able to identify any abnormalities, interestingly, for the majority of the patients when we obtain brain imaging such as CAT scans or MRIs. Um, And it seems that all of these side effects are transient and that they resolve back to baseline. Hmm.
1: Do they understand? Does anybody understand sort of what causes this this neurologic toxicity?
2: That is not yet fully understood. Um, There are some hypotheses and, and, and some studies that are ongoing. We definitely know that these cells get into the central nervous system, the brain and the spinal cord. Mm. We don't think that they're directly causing damage. There may be things that are released that are causing uh, damage in the brain and spinal cord. Uh, there are these cells ca- called cytokines and there are other cells of the immune system called macrophages that um, go to the area, go to the rescue, and sometimes those cause unintended damage while the t-cells are trying to fight the cancer cells Hmm. but we do know that they get every the t-cells themselves get everywhere in the body and they're able to attack the cancer cells wherever that wherever they might be
1: wow and uh and you said that this neurologic problem is usually reversible
2: the the neurologic problem is usually reversible
1: Okay. So, you know, a a few minutes ago you had me in my chair getting my cells taken out and I was watching a movie or reading a book and just kind of waiting for my cells to come. And I was thinking I was going to like, you know, open up my Diet Coke and get my cells. But now you've got me in the ICU for three weeks. I mean, I don't know if I want to do something like that. Like why would I put myself through all that?
2: So we – Certainly, screen the patients uh, very carefully to see who qualifies and really needs this type of therapy. As you know, we have multiple treatments available to for cancer patients that include chemotherapy, antibodies, uh, targeted uh, therapies. Um, these are patients that have failed several different or that. That where the disease has has failed them, I should say, that the disease has really not responded to several lines of treatment or patients where we are considering doing a stem cell transplant. And one positive aspect of this type of therapy is that while there are toxicities, they are transient, they occur mostly early on in the treatment, in the first couple of months. Mm -hmm. Uh, There are no... Severe, significant, long-term side effects, see. as there can potentially be with transplant, and and the hope is that some of these patients who undergo this ter- therapy will be cured and will never need treatment in the future, including uh, sparing them a transplant.
1: Well, well, that's that's very exciting. So, so how effective is this therapy?
2: The therapy uh, so far has been approved for um, B-cell acute lymphoblastic leukemia. That's another mouthful. Another mouthful, uh, which is uh, typically ALL that we see in children. uh, The good kind of cancer. The the good good kind of cancer for kids, but that um, we also see in adults. So far, it's only approved in patients up to the age of 25 with leukemia, and it's also approved in adult patients with certain kinds of non-Hodgkin lymphomas.
1: All right. Well, that's a uh, fascinating information, Iris. Um, and I'm certainly going to want to follow up and learn more about what happens to these patients with uh, lymphoblastic uh, leukemia and non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. But right now, we need to take a short break for a medical minute. Please stay tuned to learn more about CAR T-cell therapy with Dr. Iris Isufi.
0: Support for Connecticut Public Radio comes from AstraZeneca, a global biopharmaceutical company that is committed to bringing immuno-oncology to people living with earlier stages of cancer. Learn more at AstraZeneca-US.com. This is a Medical Minute about lung cancer. More than 85% of lung cancer diagnoses are related to smoking and quitting even after decades of use can significantly reduce your risk of developing lung cancer. For lung cancer patients, clinical trials are currently underway to test innovative new treatments. Advances are being made by utilizing targeted therapies and immunotherapies. The BATTLE-2 trial aims to learn if a drug or combination of drugs based on personal biomarkers can help to control non-small cell lung cancer. More information is available at YaleCancerCenter.org. You're listening to Connecticut Public Radio.
1: Welcome back to Yale Cancer Answers. This is Dr. Stephen Gore. I'm joined tonight by my guest, Dr. Iris Asufi, to discuss CAR T-cell cancer therapy. So Iris, is let, let's get back to that pediatric cancer the ALL, you know which we always hear is such a great success of the war on cancer and so many kids are cured without needing transplants and things but I, but I guess not everybody's really cured, right? Some people are not cured, is that true? Some of these kids?
2: Some of the kids are actually cured. With uh, core T cell therapy? No,
1: I mean before with, the standard with not a standard therapy. With
2: a standard therapy, not everyone is cured. Um, and and certainly that's a minority of patients. Um, but what we do know is that uh, with car T cell therapy, uh, they might not necessarily need to go to an, to a stem cell transplant.
1: So these are kids who's, who didn't get cured by their first chemo, right?
2: Correct. They did not get cured by their first and second chemotherapy. I see. And uh, some of the patients may have already undergone transplants in the past.
1: Huh. And so this CAR therapy or CAR-T therapy um, can put these patients back into remission and you say sometimes cure them.
2: It can certainly put them into remission. It has Very high response rates. This kind of treatment in childhood leukemia, we're talking eighty to ninety percent response rates. Oh my
1: gosh, that's great! And
2: about and and about two thirds of those patients are actually able to stay in long term remission
1: without a transplant.
2: Without a transplant.
1: So they just get this treatment once and they're done.
2: Correct. And we can track these cells carefully, and in the event that uh, we can detect a small amount of the di- of disease in the patient's bone marrow or blood, we can still rescue them by doing a stem cell transplant.
1: Huh. Well, that's really incredible. So why is that restricted to just people up to the age of 25? Why can't older adults with that disease be treated this way?
2: Studies are undergoing... Um, to treat adults above the age of 25, and we hope that in the near future we're going to get approval for that patient population as I see. well. So
1: there's no reason to think that they shouldn't. There's be no able reason to, to think
2: that they should not be able to respond.
1: Uh huh. Okay. Good. Just haven't finished the studies yet. Correct. And so, what about this, these lymphomas that that can be treated? How effective is it for those diseases?
2: It's very effective for lymphomas as well. Remember, these are also patients who have failed several lines of chemotherapy who mm-hmm. or have been failed by chemotherapy. And um, for those patients, the response rates are not as high as leukemia, but fairly high compared to any other treatment we would offer. We're talking 50 percent. Um, Forty to fifty percent cure rates, even oh, wow. for that group of patients, which is really remarkable.
1: And some of those patients might have had to have a stem cell transplant otherwise as and, well, and right? And
2: many of those patients already had uh, stem cell transplants using their own stem cells. Ah,
1: and and the disease came back anyway.
2: And the disease came back anyway. Hmm.
1: So uh, so that's really incredible. But but I guess with these non Hodgkin's lymphomas and these acute lymphoblastic leukemias compared to all the cancers, that's still not a lot of patients, right? I mean, there's a very limited uh, audience for this kind of therapy, it would seem.
2: It's true. It's important to us because I'm a hematologist and that's what I treat. Me too. But obviously, um, non-Hodgkin lymphoma, for example, is the seventh most common type of cancer in the United States. So ideally, uh, the hope is that we are going to be able to Expand the indication for CAR T cell therapy to other diseases. So mm. there are multiple ongoing trials uh, looking uh, not only at other types of lymphomas and leukemias, but also going into um, solid tumors, into cancers of the organs, mm. and and that is really very exciting. And it's been challenging so far, but I have good reason to and hope. To believe that um, um, in the near future we're going to see that therapy expanded to solid cancers as well.
1: That's amazing. So, as I remember, uh, these the first two commercial drugs to be approved or cells to be approved, it, it was just about a year and a half ago, right? That they were approved.
2: Correct. In the su- in the summer of 2018, huh. but things are moving very fast. Um, The the studies are ongoing throughout the world, including Europe and Asia, Hmm. and we're able to generate data at a very fast pace. Really unprecedented before, everyone um, understood the importance of this type of therapy. Uh, has been very, everyone has been very willing to share their data and to share the management of the toxicities. Mm. So even institutions who were not initially um, involved in the trials that led to the first two drug approvals are now able to deliver this kind of therapy to their patients.
1: Well, as I recall, Yale was not involved in any of the research trials initially. Isn't that right?
2: Yes, that's absolutely correct. Uh And we were able to learn quite a bit from the experience of other institutions who led these trials. And with hard work and a multidisciplinary approach within our institution for several months... Um, really almost a year of preparatory work, we were able to to offer this therapy at Yale.
1: So you mean you couldn't just, once they approved the drug, you couldn't just start doing it? I mean, we do a lot of complicated treatments here at Yale. Why couldn't we just like start just giving them and once we can get it, i right? surprised.
2: Yes, and, and – um, uh, other institutions learned a lot on the go mm-hmm. and the hard way, so it was easier for us to know what the things we needed to have in place were, but there were many things that needed to be in place. Really? we It was really a collaborative effort. The Adult uh, Bone Marrow Transplant Service, the Pediatric Bone Marrow Transplant Service were involved. Our stem cell processing and collection, who were going to collect the T cells, were involved. We had uh, members from the neuro-oncology service, from the emergency room, from the intensive care unit, who all had to be trained to understand the toxicities of these therapies Mm. and to deliver treatment to the patients because immediate treatment is actually crucial for their success and for, for management com- of the toxicity, Treatment for the
1: complications,
2: you mean. Treatment for the complications. I see. So it wasn't so much the chemotherapy aspect of it or the delivery of the T-cells. We're very familiar at doing that because um, we're, to al- the we're already a center that provides stem cell transplants for patients, but it was really managing the complications and having all the resources in place um, to be able to do it safely information technology was um, very actively involved in placing you know all the order sets in the wow. computer I mean it really it really it was anyone who was going to put their hands on the patient uh, was trained
1: Wow so I don't know you must have been kind of nervous when the first patient was treated
2: we were we were certainly normal it's certainly normal to to be to be nervous again, we had gone to many meetings had had um, I had uh, previously had other patients who had had this therapy at other institutions. I had taken care of them afterwards but but certainly um, you know it was um, when that first patient entered the hospital, certainly there was a pause, and we were all anxiously waiting to see if they would respond to treatment for once and and also what side effects they would have and if we were going to be able to manage them successfully. Um, And how did it work out, if I can ask? It actually worked out great. Really? It worked out great. The patients, the first uh, couple of patients we treated uh, went into remission, and they did have some expected toxicities, but they were able to recover from them. They, They required treatments. Again, they required... Uh, different subspecialists evaluating them, but they did very well. So it was um, very hopeful, very exciting for them and for us. and And we hope uh, to have um, some support groups started for CAR T-cell therapy where they can share their experience with other patients as well. That's really because neat. it is it is a scary process for to go through for, for anyone.
1: No, I guess so. When you
2: hear about these toxicities, it's it's understandable.
1: Absolutely. So have you gotten involved with any research outside of this, these uh, approved products?
2: So yes, um, I'm very happy to say that we've uh, opened several clinical trials in lymphoma, in multiple myeloma, and um, breast cancer. Breast cancer? Breast cancer.
1: Wow, how's that work?
2: So I mean, what's
1: the, how do you approach that? I mean, breast cancer seems like there's so many different types and very different than leukemia, right?
2: Exactly. And, and the, the challenge with, with uh, breast cancer and other solid organ cancers is that these targets are not sitting on the cell surface like they are with leukemia and lymphoma. Mm. The targets for this, the T cells, the majority of them are inside the cells. Huh. But we do have antibodies that are approved in breast cancer that can actually go in and find the tumor cells and attack them. And what we've been able to do is um, have the T cells bind to the antibodies that are binding to the cancer cells. Oh, well, hold on, so and you're... it's very similar. It's very similar to the standard CAR T cell therapy, but the the. Modif- the genetically modified T cell is not necessarily binding to the um, to the target on the cancer cell. It's binding to an antibody that binds the cancer cell.
1: And the antibody, just to be clear, that's binding to the cancer cell, is a drug that's also been. It's given.
2: actually a drug that's a part of r- routine care for breast for, cancer. For breast case. cancer, it's a drug called Herceptin mm-hmm. that recognizes HER2 on the cancer cells, and the clinical trial specifically involves a genetically modified T cell that has the ability to bind Herceptin.
1: So you give the patients Herceptin, which hopefully binds to their cancer cells, and then you give these CAR-T that then bind to the Herceptin molecule, and then attack the cancer cells, presumably.
2: Exactly, and what you get is the benefit of having millions of these T-cells go to the tumor and recognize the tumor cells way more than a patient would normally have circulating in their bloodstream and reaching the tumor.
1: And these patients presumably may also be at risk for some of the side effects you described.
2: Yes, certainly. Um, And they are at risk for cytokine release syndrome, they are at risk for neurologic toxicity, and they also uh, need to be monitored for other potential toxicities because uh, we know that HER2, for example, is not necessarily only found in cancer cells. Mm. The problem we run into is that for solid tumors, a lot of these targets are also found on normal tissue. Mm-hmm. So a lot of efforts is, is going on, a lot, of, um, a lot of research is going on, and efforts are being made to, uh, to find ways where the T cells recognize the cancer cell without causing um, uh, problems with the normal cells.
1: Well, that's really fascinating, and I, I guess that's just a, a little taste of what's to come.
2: Yes, it's very exciting. Now um, scientists are developing cells, uh, T-cells, that are genetically modified to actually be able to have on and off switches so that we can control the tumor, but we also have a handle on and turn them off when we think they've caused too much toxicity.
1: It's like the new faucets in your shower where you can set it for just right, not too hot, not not too too cold. Not
2: too hot, not too cold, exactly.
1: (laughs) The the Goldilocks cartoon cells.
2: Exactly, I mean, just finding that sweet spot is actually the challenge right now, fine tuning it where we get the most benefit against the tumor and we have uh, the least toxicity.
0: Dr. Iris Asufi is an assistant professor of medicine at the Yale School of Medicine. If you have questions, the address is canceranswers at yale.edu, and past editions of the program are available in audio and written form at yalecancercenter.org. We hope you'll join us next week to learn more about the fight against cancer here on Connecticut Public Radio.